Welcome to the Positive Talk podcast with hosts Julie Homrich and Chuck Allen. You picked a great day to join in the conversation as Julie, a psychotherapist, and Chuck, a pastor, merge faith and psychology to help you live with greater peace and purpose. Thanks again for joining us today for the Positive Talk podcast. Here are your hosts, Chuck and Julie. Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us on today's Positive Talk podcast. This week, my good friend Julie Homrich is going to help us understand something that truly, Julie, I think is pretty important for everybody, Mm -hmm. and that is trying to figure out how can you be your own therapist. Yeah. Now, I know that sounds a little simple, but honestly, it's a complex theory. Yeah. Because for us to have the ability to kind of look within ourselves... And then understand a little bit of how, in a, in a strange way, we kind of fight against ourselves right, at times. Right. And if not, if we if we don't really wrap our head around how we can do this, mm-hmm. then it could be dangerous. Yeah. Right. Because we our mind can convince us of all kind of things. Yes. So, exactly. So today, I think one of the big goals is how how does a therapist help us understand as normal, average, everyday people like me? How can I be my own therapist? Yeah. Well, you know, Chuck, I think we all wonder at times how to effectuate change in our lives, right? Right. Like we wonder, okay, what is it that actually helps people change their thoughts or their behaviors or their actions? And there are a number of mechanisms of change. But today, like you said, we're going to provide some insight into a very practical change process. And I think this is going to help our listeners move from knowledge to action. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you and I both were firm believers in therapy. Right. But that's one hour out of the week, right? right. What right. do we do? What happens during the other 167 hours every week? Okay. This is, this is a fundamental question to today's conversation. And that is, uh, w- when I sit and receive help from a therapist, or a counselor. One of the things that I have learned is that it's easy for me to begin thinking about things that might could help me or changes I could make, or it's a little easier for me to do a little self-reflection. But then I step outside, like you're talking about, and the world slaps me in the face, yeah. and I'm right back to the urgency of my life. Yeah. So maybe you can help us figure out what do we do with those under other 167 hours and what are some things we can do to actuate help, change, encouragement in our own soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I, I hear that from a lot of clients too. You know, they leave session, they come in kind of anxious and they leave kind of with this weight off their shoulders, mm-hmm. but then it hits them when they get in the car or, you know, when they get home and they're like, okay, how do I, how do I keep all of that? And how do I actually implement that in my life. And so when we conceptualize the change process, therapists, we use something called a theoretical orientation. So any therapists listening are going to just laugh at this right now because it's like (laughs) the basic thing they teach you in grad school. So there are dozens of theories to pull from and each therapist will orient themselves more with some theories than others. So for example, when you think of the traditional person laying on a couch, diving deep into their childhood, that would be more of what we call a psychoanalytic theory. Okay. I love Love it when you drop these words on us. <laughs> Psychoanalytic theory. This yes. is one more phrase that odds are good I will never use again in my life. Well, there you go. Now and you know And yeah, <laughs> I have been the guy on the sofa mm-hmm. and have discovered the power of working with a trained professional therapist. Yeah. And could I just stop and say, well, this is no slight on any counselor or coach. Because I would consider myself one of those people, mm-hmm. right? But there is a 
big, big difference yeah. in receiving trained professional therapy. And I would just encourage, especially people of faith who struggle with this, mm-hmm. to recognize that this, I don't know anybody on the planet that is not benefited yeah. from being able to receive professional therapy. Yeah. Well, and there is a little bit of a difference, like you said. You know, counseling is more of kind of helping direct you. Therapy mm-hmm. is more helping you learn what is already within you and how yeah. to kind of bring that, that out. That sounds subtle, but it's really not. It is. It's a big difference. Yeah. And, you know, these are the therapists, the psychodynamic therapists are the ones where, you know, you're going to you're gonna do a deep dive. Um, there are other therapists who have a different theoretical orientation where they might say, okay, I don't care what happened in your childhood. Mm-hmm. All I care about is the here and now. Right. What are your problems now? How can we fix them in eight sessions? Wow. Okay. So those are what we call solution-focused therapists. Now, they're both important because people have different needs when entering the therapy room. So therapists are going to need to have different uh, ways of treating those needs. Now, one of the most popular theories is called CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. Just to be sure, that last letter was T- as in tango. Yes. Not CBD. <laughs> no. Just, Although for just some, that's clear. just as effective. Yeah. I mean, I, my earlier life would prove that CBD might be helpful. Yeah. But CBT in my world was actually more helpful. It's a little. Just to be clear. It's, it's a, it's a small, clear. one letter, but, but big difference. Yeah, yeah. So CBT. T is the therapy that I'm going to kind of give you guys a crash course on today to help you provide yourself your own therapy to a degree. So when you start trying to unpack CBT, um, I I know from personal experience that there is some pain involved in experiencing this. Mm. And yet there is also a sense of... I'm fully vested in trying to be a part of the process. Yeah. And in my in my experience, my first experience with a therapist was truly this effort. Mm-hmm. And I discovered quickly that I played a significant role, maybe the primary role in what happens here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's an encouragement to people knowing that you don't see a therapist so that they can tell you what to do. Right. But I learned that, I could work my way out of, you know, literal, a literal depression. Yeah. Well, and a therapist's job is to work ourselves out of a job with that client, right? right. To kind of teach them how to do this themselves. I have clients who come in and they'll say, okay, this happened during the week. And I was thinking, what would Julie have said, you know, for us to do? Right. And so CBT, this particular type of therapy, it essentially says that your problems aren't from what happens to you. They are based on what you believe about what happens to you. Okay. Well, I just, I, this is the big aha for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it is truly like in my case, I allowed my brain to convince me yeah. that it was me against the world. Isn't it amazing how our brains can convince oh us of stuff? Oh my gosh. I can remember Julie really believing it's like, I'm, it is me against the universe. The universe is conspiring against Chuck. Mm-hmm. And um, through this process, part of what I learned was I started, as you have taught me, I started believing everything I thought, mm-hmm. which is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think since there are so many things 
outside of our control Mm -hmm. in life, you know, traffic, other people's actions, what actually happens to us when we're able to learn CBT and to learn, okay, how I think about this will make a dramatic difference. I think that's useful for anyone and everyone. Right, 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 right. So uh, I know that uh, just in reading some of what you have written about and uh, some of the work you've done, there is a difference between CBT mm-hmm. and it becoming, um, I guess, I think you put it as a more modernized version of what was known as R-E-B-T, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, and you guys all, and your acronyms, I mean, you're like- We all get too deep into all the letters. Yeah, but I got to be honest with you. I mean, you you guys are kind of like the military. Well, we're You've rivaling pastors. You yeah. guys have, you know, you do all of your little acronyms and we got we to gotta keep up with the pastors. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So R-E-B-T- actually stands for Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. And I just share that just as a it's something that therapists will know. But the premise of REBT and CBT, for that matter, is that once we can recognize our irrational thoughts, then our resulting emotions will change and our behaviors will follow. Yeah, so I heard a, uh, I heard a pastor uh, from Dallas make this statement that you cannot change the way you feel until you change the way you think because your thoughts will determine the way you feel. Mm. So um, in my personal experience with this, what, what happened to me was I'm sitting there and it's my first session with my therapist. Mm -hmm. And the questions were pretty simple. I mean, they were basic. I was just, um, I I was just conveying what was going on in my life. Yeah. A few seconds into that, she stops and looks back at me and says, so let me kind of repeat that to you. Uh And literally what came out of my mouth was, well, when you put it that way, Right, right. right. It's a reframe. Yeah, Yeah. but she said exactly what I said. Mm -hmm. She just didn't take it the way I took it. Yes. And so to reframe how I thought Mm -hmm. became the process. So uh, if you can, just give us some basics, how we can begin to first recognize, then begin to change our irrational beliefs. Or as I would put them when I'm working with people in a pastoral sense, what are your limiting beliefs that you have placed on your life? Yes. And we all do that, right? But we don't necessarily recognize that these beliefs are limiting us. We think that they're protecting us. Right, right, right. right. So I want to start by stressing that this process works for people who are reasonably adaptive in their day-to-day life. They just need maybe a little extra support. If you're somebody who's struggling with deeper trauma or grief, it's sort of a disclaimer. CBT shouldn't really be the only method of treatment because this is interesting, Chuck. Trauma is stored in a different part of the brain than what we're going to talk about today. Okay. So in this type of therapy, the one that you'll be learning today, it actually activates that uh, executive functioning prefrontal cortex part of our brain. Mm -hmm. It's the part of Mm -hmm. us that helps reason, right? Whereas trauma is stored in a different area. So I have a question that, that just popped in my head while I'm sitting here recording this. And that is, I think it's important for listeners to understand that, that you may have a deeper, more significant capital T trauma in your life, or you may be in the middle of a deep grieving yes. process. Uh-huh. And what we're talking about with CBT today may not be your end all. Right. Exactly. And I think that's a really important disclaimer because if we try to use CBT on things that are stored again in a different part of the brain, it's just going to frustrate us. Yeah. Which is one more way in which psychology and faith merge in that no one person's trauma, no one person's grief or challenges, Mm -hmm. none of them are universal. 
Yeah. They're yeah. all as unique to us as our DNA mm-hmm. because we are, we are going to act, react, and respond so differently with them, and our brain is going to tell us something differently. Yeah. There are universal things that we know, but how we receive them truly is as unique as the hairs on our head, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and how it's implemented too. Okay, so let's walk through this process, check. Okay. So I'm going to use another acronym. <laughs> oh, boy. And we're going to use ABC, okay? Now, that's one I can remember. It's very okay, got simple, it. very simple. So in data day-to-day life, we oftentimes assume that an A, or what we call an activating event, causes C, which is a consequence, right? So I'll right. break this down. We think that if someone cuts us off in traffic, that's the activating event, that's A. Right. We think that that is what causes us to rage, which Ooh. is C, the consequence, right? We're like, okay, they cut me off. That's why I'm raging right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what REBT teaches us is that we are missing a very crucial middle step. And it happens so fast, Chuck, that most of us don't catch it. And that is the B. It's the belief that we have about what just happened. Now, once we start to recognize that belief, we pause and we recognize, you know, what we were thinking in that moment. We can examine it as to whether it's rational or irrational. Right. And in addition to those two things, rational and irrational, I like to ask myself the question, is this a helpful or unhelpful belief. Mm -hmm. And I know you, Chuck, you've mentioned examining your belief systems and your actions and determining if they're in line with the person that you ultimately want to be. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Julie, when I was just sitting here in studio listening to you, I thought of a dozen examples Mm -hmm. in my own life where this has been a learned experience for me. Yes. Yes. I am a naturally reactive person. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I spent years, somebody would do something and I would react uh-huh. in probably an irrational form, mm-hmm. causing me great harm and just in my own soul mm-hmm. and them having no idea what they had done. Yeah. And yeah. But my belief, that B in the middle, mm-hmm. made me think, you did that to me. To you, yeah. Just yeah. like you said, it's you against the world, right? Yeah. So if we yeah. have that premise and that's our starting point, no matter what people do, we're going to believe that it's I, against us. Jenny and I watched this, my wife and I, we watched this movie the other night. And this guy is arguing against the, that the Holocaust actually happened, mm-hmm. you know? So a judge is really ruling on this guy's theory. And so the judge finally says, you know, we all recognize you're wrong, <laughs> except for this one thing. You truly believe, believe you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, I, but this happens in everyday little moments in life. Oh, Somebody yeah. says something, They pr- it's probably a benign statement, mm-hmm. but we believe it is addressed towards something in our life. And if it if it hits an insecurity in our life, yeah. then all of a sudden it is an ordeal and drama happens. Right. We, th- we think people are talking at us versus talking to us. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be- because do you think that um, when this happens, is this what happens when we start taking things, uh, and I put in air quotes, too personally? Too personally. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on, you know, what our belief system is about ourselves or about the other person, it's very easy to take things. And based on that B, that belief, we twist it. We twist it in our minds unknowingly. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the case of like, let's go back to the traffic situation, that irrational belief, the B, that can make the difference between in this situation, like escalating a road rage incident, right? Or... Just being able to shrug it off like, oh, they're just having a bad day. Right. That's fine. 
in marriage, and I see this a lot in marriage, our belief about ourselves or about our partner, um, when we examine that and we can think, okay, is this helpful or unhelpful? That can actually make the difference between facing a problem as partners, like you're joining together to face the problem, or you become enemies and you identify the other person as the problem. Uh, okay, so this is, I see this in my office all the time, Julie, mm-hmm. where, um, Communication and value with spouses deteriorate most often, I believe, and I really do believe this, most often because of this B in the ABC. Yeah, yeah. It's, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they didn't engage with this. Mm-hmm. They should have known Yes. kind of thing. Yes. And then we begin to take this belief mm-hmm. and it just expands right. in our brain. It becomes a foundation for how you view the relationship. yeah. And, you know, when, when couples do this, you know, I sometimes will have people will take a pillow and put it in the middle of the floor and say, okay, that's the problem. Like mm-hmm. you're personalizing the problem onto the other person, right. but let's actually look at the problem as it is. And this is just a shift. Yeah. Of yeah. Belief yeah. Yeah. But I think it's so helpful when we start thinking about trying to be your own therapist is to have the opportunity to train ourselves to take a moment. I mean, we're often for me, it's, it's a microsecond yeah. to stop and think, wait a minute, Pause. I, I have limited how I'm going to react because of a belief that may not have any truth to it at all. Yeah. And those things are, are they, they can be deeply ingrained in mm-hmm. how um, we were raised or just how we viewed ourselves. They might have been protective things for us for a while. I think right? this is how, um, in many ways, I think this is how you become a polarized society. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how you're polarized uh, politically, racially, socially, economically, no matter how you look at it. It's this system that, okay, action, immediate belief without, like we talked about last week, certainty and uncertainty. Yeah, without what, examining it. Yeah. yeah. And then the C happens mm-hmm. and it's so fast. It's so fast. Yeah. And, and then you have to deal with all the consequences that come from that mm-hmm. when a moment could change the rest of your day or week or month or year. Yes. And today we're going to talk about that moment, that that time yeah. when you pause. Right. And we're going to kind of suspend that up and we're going to look at that as if, you know, that's its, its own entity because we want to talk about that. Um, and I think it's important, like you said, Chuck, that, you know, this, this takes practice. Um, the mm. more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And eventually it'll become more natural for you. So right. whereas in the past you may have gotten stuck in a negative or what we therapists call maladaptive belief cycle. You are dropping some really (laughs) cool words on us today. But I think when you begin to practice this form of CBT with more adaptive beliefs, Mm -hmm. um, your brain will begin to stick to those rational and helpful beliefs more than the irrational and unhelpful ones. Yeah, so really what you're saying is that when we are our own therapist, we realize that A, the activating event Mm -hmm. will indeed and inevitably lead to B, our belief about ourselves or the world around us, which will inevitably lead to C, the consequence, which can be positive or negative. Mm -hmm. So even in situations when we feel like we we don't have any control over these circumstances, A, but we can certainly control B, Mm -hmm. our belief, that is going to directly impact what we do and what happens when C happens. Exactly. So I would throw one thing in here that I learned at a um, 
it, this is super elementary. So I hope our, our listeners don't receive this as like, I Some hope of the just, best stuff is the simplest. Yeah, it's just so helpful. So I can recall uh, asking my wife, Jenny, who's really just a just one of the greatest humans ever, right? Mm-hmm. But I can remember asking her, "Hun, would you be someone that would love me enough to hold me accountable mm-hmm. to not being so reactionary and letting my beliefs run amok? Yeah. And honestly, to this day, she will say to me, stop and breathe Yeah. and think about this. Mm-hmm. And so case in point, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, we were, uh, we were leaving a... Uh, the house to go to a dinner with some folks that we knew clearly just like politically, economically, socially, I mean, every possible way we were radically on different uh, planets, right? Okay. They're great people. Yeah. We yeah. just knew the conversation was going to get weird. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the car riding. She said, here's what I want you to do. When I lean over and I just touch you mm-hmm. on the thigh, I just need you to breathe. Yeah. Don't allow yourself to be reactionary. So mm-hmm. literally we're sitting there, we're not 10 minutes in. <laughs> She's and, like you know, tapping hard. Yeah, you know, and I, by the end of the night, I felt like my right leg was going to be bruised. <laughs> bruised. But you know what? We came through all of that yeah. with healthy relationships without me going home, being frustrated, mm-hmm. without our conversation mm-hmm. being swelled up to something that it shouldn't have been. Yeah. And just stopping and realizing there's a reason they believe the way they do. Mm-hmm. Just like there's a reason I believe the way I do. Right. But those don't have to be at war. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes when we are able to to do that pause, it gives us the opportunity to question that belief system or open yeah. up our minds a little bit yeah. more. And present day therapists would continue down the alphabet with this mm. after ABC. They would label D as what they call disputation of beliefs. That's kind of questioning what you originally believed. They're disputing maybe that thought pattern that was not helpful. That maybe I shouldn't be certain about that. Yeah, maybe I can open myself up to a a potential different possibility. Does the D in that, the disputation, is is it inclusive of this thought that... um, there, there is a reason why they think the way they do. Yeah. Why can't I extend a bit of grace toward they just see it differently? I think that's the foundation okay. of the D when it comes to interactions with other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right? And then after that, once you've disputed that, E, keep going down the alphabet, wow. stands for new effect. Okay? So this is how you, cha- how you make change. I love that, yeah. So I think when we, you know... We challenge that irrational belief. It creates a new effect in our lives. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, wow, this reminds me of scripture. Absolutely. Spe- specific verse, Chuck. So 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Yes. Right? We demolish arguments and every pretension. I love that word. Mm-hmm. We, we truly demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. So if you just look at that that passage and you talk about the A, B, C, D, and E, mm-hmm. what we're truly doing is we're we're training our body and soul mm-hmm. to not be reactive and responsive to a, a thought process and a natural reaction to a world that is off its hinges. Yeah. And how cool that we allow the Holy Spirit into the B, right? That's like right. that we're like, That's okay, right. when this happens, we're able to renew our minds in yeah, this yeah. process. So when I um uh this is this is almost embarrassing to admit as a pastor. But <laughs> say it, Jack. Let's but, go. But there. I gotta tell you, I think this is most difficult for people who are 
in vocational ministry. Mm -hmm. Because I think people expect us, or we believe people expect us, to be certain about all things. And to be able to do what scripture says is to let go of the pretension that sets it up, sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ means that I don't know everything God knows. Mm -hmm. I will never know everything God knows. Mm -hmm. That means I need to leave loosely these things that I cannot grab hold of with certainty. Mm -hmm. As a result, I can't weaponize them in reaction to people who don't see it as I do. Right. Because like you said earlier, it's going to hit people differently based on their different needs. Including spiritual knowledge. Right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think oftentimes when I teach this model, clients will kind of pause and they have a difficult time identifying what the irrational or unhelpful beliefs are in their lives. Oh, like gosh, you've, yeah. you've taken a lot of time, you've been self-aware, you've you know allowed yourself to learn that stuff. But for some people, this is new to them, right? And so if the client is a believer, I encourage them to look at the fruit or see, right? Yep, what yep. consequences is this belief bringing into your life? Right. So does shaming yourself into this whole, I'm not good enough, does that lead really truly to healthy fruit? Not a chance. Does this constant negativity help you move forward or does it keep you stuck in self-pity? And I think, Chuck, sometimes, especially in relationships, we need to examine our beliefs about this whole model to begin with. And what I mean by that is, do we truly believe that we are simply at the mercy of what happens to us or how someone treats us, which is A, or do we really, truly recognize the empowerment that comes when we shift our thought pattern? B, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put some more scripture in here toward yep, what yep. is true, noble, right, pure, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Yeah. So Philippians uh-huh. makes a point. Think on those things. Think on those things. Yeah. And I want to highlight here that the first word Paul mentioned is true. This Love isn't it. like rainbows and puppies and everything <laughs> has to be you know, positive and perfect. Right. Sometimes truths about ourselves or others they're hard to acknowledge, yeah, yeah. but when we do, the outcome or see is much more mature and authentic when we choose truth. Uh, the word authentic is a loaded term these days mm-hmm. because in some ways we've turned authentic into, okay, you just say everything you think. Right. Yeah. You know? Authentic doesn't, authentic doesn't necessarily mean, um, Raw. No boundaries. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> like, it's not. But I think sometimes our culture has turned it into that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, wow. So you're going to leave your family and tour the world on a motorcycle because you're authentic. That's your authentic self. You know, self. so like, okay, come on. Uh, <laughs> but I think the authentic self does always involve truth. Yes. Because you can't be authentic without being true mm-hmm. to your entirety of yourself. Right. But that means it can't be just your selfish self. Mm-hmm. It has to, it has to be your entire, which is part of why we're made of mind, body, soul. Yeah, right? I think that's a good point too to recognize that authenticity, true authenticity, especially if you're if you're a believer of some sort, yeah. includes, and I would say the spiritual part of you even supersedes. Yes. The flesh, you totally. know, um, but it's important to recognize all parts of yourself and to submit those to the Lord as needed. I mean, I think when when I think of authentic these days, just in just you know, as a person growing and maturing, not just spiritually, but emotionally and mentally, I think one of the things that has helped me is recognizing how Jesus carried himself with great authenticity. Mm-hmm. He never denied who he was, right? but he never used that 
as scripture said, to lord it over people, but to recognize that serving others helps keep us in an authentic personhood. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. greatness doesn't come in lording over or, or as the world would say, becoming the boss of all things. You know, it doesn't make me queen or king of the day. Mm -hmm. Authenticity, that is true brings me to a recognition of I can see who I truly am in Christ. Mm-hmm. I can then react in changing that B yeah. and that belief system, having this spiritual override. Mm-hmm. I said, but wait a minute. This, I can take a moment and rethink this so that my consequences, I don't pay for them. I don't lose my testimony. I, I don't lose, I don't flip my lid, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. because you know what I've learned, Julie, when you started talking about the prefrontal cortex and what, how this is happening, mm-hmm. I've never flipped my lid and it made me feel better. Yeah. I have never lost it with somebody and felt good about it. Yeah. I don't think anybody does. Yeah. Well, and when we think about us as, you know, body, soul, and spirit, it's important to acknowledge the needs of our body. It's important to acknowledge the needs of our soul. Yeah. Um, however, in that moment, the B, we are allowing our spirit to kind of reign supreme yeah, in that moment, totally. right? Because maybe our soul wants to lash out and, yeah, yeah. and we're taking a second, we're submitting our belief system and our thoughts to... Mm-hmm. To a higher power, right? Or to the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things that I really, I, I really admire about your practice and, and you just as a person and a therapist is that much of what you do, you have researched mm. to give yourself even a firmer foundation to help people walk through this. So I'm my a, guess is you've got junkie. some research, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that is, yeah, it's, I'm just a big, big nerd yeah, at yeah. heart. And so, let me just, let me confirm that to yeah, all of our listeners. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely true. So if you're skeptical, if you're someone like me who hears, you know, podcasts and thinks, okay, there's just these two people's opinions, you know, whatever. I want to share with you the results of a 2017 study and about this particular uh, framework. And in this study, they found that three 45-minute learning sessions about the ABC model. So you could listen to this podcast three times, right? right? Um, it was shown to be effective in reducing symptoms of, get this, depression, anxiety. It was shown to reduce dysfunctional thinking while increasing self-esteem and feelings of hope. In addition to that, 90 percent of the participants in this study actually reported not having any previous knowledge of the link between thoughts and feelings and behavior. So simply becoming more aware of the relationship between those things made for a useful change. Okay. If, if this is the only part that you heard in this podcast, this should give you great hope mm-hmm. that, um, regardless of where you are at. And again, reminding where we started, you may have, you may be in a season of deep grief or you may have a capital T trauma Mm -hmm. that is beyond this, this, but even the awareness then has some positive impact. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Even in the place of, I mean, a lot of trauma therapy is working through your beliefs about yourself and can you get better? You know, like, are you worthy of, of that? Like when you mentioned the 90%, the, you know, what my first thought was, I bet that's true of 90% of the people that come to a pastoral counselor's office like mine. Mm-hmm. This truly is a way to give them great hope. Yes. And yes. to give them, um, because I think a lot of people love to walk out of a, a therapist's office and say, okay, what do I do now? Like uh-huh. you said, what do I do with these How other do I hours? I become my own therapist. I yeah. can work on this B. 
Right. And one thing that we're going to have on the website is just a simple worksheet where you can do this for yourself. You can kind of, you know, identify what those A's are, what the B is, um, what the C, you know, what comes from it, and then how to dispute that, um, how to shift that and have a new E. So, you know, I kind of knew the ABC a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know, I didn't get the disputation until today's conversation, but I could see how powerful yeah. That is. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the key point is that once you identify those belief yeah. patterns, you can dispute them. You can challenge them. You can say, yeah. you know, is this really true? Which then can break that constant cycle of. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So uh, we'll be back next week for part two. Yes. And we're going to dig deeper into this. We're yeah. going to talk about what some of those B beliefs uh-huh. are. Um, we're going to like lay it out so that you can identify that. if you're believing some of those things. So. On behalf of Julie and our team here at the Positive Talk Podcast, we want to thank you so much for joining us on this week's Positive Talk Podcast. And always know that uh, while I sit here with a psych therapist and myself a pastor, I'm always blown away by what I learn and trust that you are as well. Because Julie and I both believe that we can all live a far more peace-filled and purposeful life. And that's the entire purpose behind the Positive Talk podcast. And we'll be back next week for part two of Becoming Your Own Therapist. And remember, you can always find all of season one and season two, including the first episode of uh, the Positive Talk podcast season three on our website at positivetalkpodcast.com. And we'd love for you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Positive Talk Podcast podcast. So thanks again for listening in. I just trust that you have the greatest week. Julie, thanks. It's been a great conversation today. Absolutely. Thank you, Chuck. All right. Bye, y'all. Thanks again for joining Chuck and Julie for this week's Positive Talk podcast. We would love to hear from you and tackle a few of your questions. So visit our website at positivetalkpodcast.com and look for the leave a voicemail button. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Positive Talk Podcast. Thanks again and go in peace.